0: This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. A, a rapper who identifies as a woman and who's broken every woman's weightlifting record.
1: Yeah, some some parts of that are true.
0: Yeah, you, um, I've got to <laughs> tell I, you, I you, got, you, you're not I the best looking the woman.
1: Record. Hey man, come on. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Uh, I, I'm stunning and brave, but um, I'm actually gender-fluid, so I'm not always a woman.
0: Right. So Is it possible to my be race-fluid?
1: I don't see why not. If I can be a woman, I don't see why I can't be white or Asian. Funnily enough, you say that. I mean, I was filling out an application in the woke world of British music last year. And on the application, not only was I able to self-identify my gender, but I was also able to self both my race and my ethnicity so according to this um application form i could have written down that i was a native american woman or a white woman or an asian woman or an asian non-binary or whatever it is and they would have to take it dead seriously according to their own rules so i don't know this quagmire that they're creating here but um Yeah, if those are the rules, then only by them.
0: (laughs) You're British. You were educated at Oxford. You've got a degree in computer science. You grew up in Saudi Arabia, and you sound like you're American.
1: So I was born in the UK. I grew up in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. When I was there, I went to an American school, slash international school, from preschool up until fifth grade. So that's where the accent comes from. I went to boarding school in the UK from the age of 11, did really well in school, got into Oxford University, studied there for three years, that's also where I started rapping. My family background is originally from Nigeria, so I've kind of grown up with a lot of influence from different cultures and places. So My family background, bloodline, is Nigerian, again born in the UK, citizen of the UK, lived here now on and off for like 20 something years. And then, yeah, lived in Saudi Arabia for, for 19 years whilst being back and forth between the two countries in my teenage years and also had heavy exposure to American people and American culture during my time in Saudi Arabia. And I've also spent some time in the U.S. as well, especially last year when I went out there and spent nine weeks traveling the country, hitting up some of the biggest podcasts in the world and doing some other stuff to promote and push my career. My dad is a medical doctor. Um, my parents were living in Nigeria with the family at the time and he got a fantastic job offer, career opportunity to go out to Saudi Arabia and work for, um, a company called Aramco, which actually went public a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that it's the most, it's the most valuable company in the world. I think it went public at a valuation of $2 billion. Um, and so, yeah, my dad worked for them for 19, 19 or 20 years. So he went out there first for a couple of weeks by himself. I don't remember this because I was there. And um, then, yeah, my mother and myself and all of my siblings went out there with him. And so we all moved to Saudi and that's where I grew up.
0: Because everything about you is wrong. Uh, you better...
1: <laughs> so in terms of doing computer science, I mean, in hindsight, I would have done a different degree, to be totally honest with you. But um, I was always very, very good at science in school and... I was and still am interested in computers and technology and everything like that. Um, so I figured that computer science would have would be a good choice of degree for me. The reality of it was, is that, you know, there were some parts of it that were interesting, but it was more like a different style of mathematics to me. I also learned that I'm not particularly fond of computer programming. I'd never write it until I got to university and, uh, it's not my calling in life let's let's put it that way. i'm not I'm not designed. I wasn't put on earth to be a software engineer or to to work at Google or at Facebook or something like that. Sure, it could have been lucrative and comfortable and secure and all that. but I have a higher purpose in this world, and I learned when I was in university that I had a talent to rap to write songs, string words together in a unique way, have a different perspective. I had a talent to perform on stage and everything like that. So I released my first album when I was in my second year of university. That was a CD called Commercial Underground. I actually sold 3,000 copies of that totally independently. Sure. And so that struck, the that was the light bulb moment of like, okay, this is this been a hobby. I mean, if people are willing to pay me for my music and my songs, then I can do something with this. So I, after university, I took one year out and I released my second album, The Unknown Celebrity, and I just promoted that independently around the UK and then I moved to London. I started working in London in the corporate world. I was a management consultant for a couple of years yeah. and then um, November 2011, I took the plunge. I, I left my corporate job and I went to pursue my music full-time. And um, yeah, I've been making a living ever since off music and other creative in- ever since end of 2011. Uh,
0: one thing I did notice though is that you don't swear in your music. Is there a reason for that?
1: I don't swear in real life either. No one in my family swears. Like the seven of us, nobody swears. Like it's just how I was raised, and I think it's necessary. I think it's disrespectful. Yeah. I don't like, it. and so I don't do it. And I'm the same in music as I am in real life. So, if i in real life, I'm not gonna suddenly get in the music studio mm. and start, um, you know, cursing and using profanity and words I will use in day-to-day living. Um, and I don't think it adds anything at all. I think it actually detracts from the music in many cases. I posted a couple months ago where I said something about me like not, not swearing, not disrespecting women in my music, not rapping about guns, drugs, and violence, promoting positivity, promoting personal responsibility. And then um, there, there, was one, there was one podcast or a newspaper where, where they read an, um controversial rapper, Zuby. So I just put, right, put right there, the quotes there, con- controversial rapper after all of that and that's part of why so much stuff that happens with me is is funny how you know i'm I'm deemed controversial in some way by the the internet world yeah but when it it comes to it's amazing you know you have all these rappers who who talk about all this stuff and promote glorify all of this stuff and Mm. just say the wildest stuff and then it's like the guy who's You know, like the modern-day Will Smith, that's the guy who's now controversial, you know, because I don't have any tattoos and I don't wear. I was just having a conversation with my mother about it, funnily enough. She's not on board the woke train either. So, I mean, some of it stems from where I grew up and how I grew up. So, being someone who's lived in a few different countries, grown up across different cultures, which are very, very different from each other, right? Mm -hmm. So... Nigeria Igbo culture is different to the culture in Saudi Arabia, which is very different to the culture in the UK, which is also different to the culture in West Africa. And I've had a lot of exposure to these for different um, areas and just ways of life, structures of society, and just ways of things, then having a perspective from seeing both developed and developing countries. Beyond that, I've traveled to 30-something different countries so far. I've, I've been, been to a lot of places in the world, so I, I've got an opportunity <clears throat> to have more of a global perspective than the average person. So when I say things or when I make comparisons or I make certain statements, I'm often speaking from a global perspective, right? I'm not just comparing things between, you know, I'm not just talking about the U.K. Right? My worldview is not just limited to the U.K. or just the U.S.A. or whatever. So I can see certain things that are going on here and are going on there and aren't going on there and whatever. I can look at the interests. I can look at Saudi culture, the way that they structure the law and yeah. society and things there, which is totally different to how it is in the U.K. and U.S.A. And I can recognize the pros and I can recognize the cons. And I can look at the U.K. and I can recognize the way things are done. And I can recognize some of the cons and I can see what sort of behavior it leads to amongst the people, and I can draw certain lines and certain dots. So some of it is based around just how I grew up, and I'm very grateful for that. Part of it as well is just my own personality. I've got a very particular and quite rare type of personality and quite a rare set of personality traits, which are quite extreme on some degrees. So I'm extremely high, like if you do the big five personality, there's some that I'm Extremely high in, and there's some that I'm extremely low in, mm. and then there's a couple that are more moderated. But some of them are like really, really far on either, and which explains a lot of things about me. So I'm like super, super, like extremely assertive. Mm. I'm extremely low in neuroticism. I'm very, very conscientious and industrious. I'm extremely high in um, openness and intellectualism. So I'm I like some ideas, and I'm able to be creative and abstract. Around you know, talk about abstract concepts. So some of it stems in that. Uh, my family is incredible. I have incredible parents. My mom and my dad are utterly amazing. The way they raised me and raised my four siblings couldn't have done a better job as far as concerned. So that's given me a wonderful in that sense. And then also, I am a Christian. All right, I'm a, a believer in God. I've always been a Christian. It's how I was raised, and so I also take some principles and values based on that as well. So I'd say that whole combination of stuff plus my own life experiences and conversations with people that I observe around the world as an analytical person, that all helps to shape my worldview. Oh, well, this is uh, going to uh, 2009 that happened, about 10 years ago now. So it was a case of mistaken identity. Um, I was coming off the train in, (laughs) um, and yeah, as people, as people would know in the UK, I mean, the normal people don't even carry guns, but Mm. two firearm units had been to the train station to come and arrest me because they thought I was somebody who had threatened somebody with a gun in a city that I hadn't even been to that day. Um, so I stepped out of the train and. Suddenly, like it felt like a scene out of a movie. The cops drew their drew their guns on me. I had like five or six guns aimed on me. I was ordered to, you know, lie down, face down on the floor. I was searched, handcuffed, arrested, told I was under arrest for a Section One firearms incident. It Don't is. even know what that means. And um, yeah, I was I was taken away and searched and questioned. And I think within about five minutes, they realized they had the wrong guy, yeah. but um. You know, police procedures are police procedures. So, yeah, they carried me. They, they took me to the station. The whole thing was very weird, real. And then after I'd been in the station for about 15 minutes, they came and apologized profusely and said that they uh, it was a case of mistaken identity. Yes. I'm not who they thought I was. Um, and, yeah, that was uh, that was it. I actually wrote a song about it called Divided We Stand. Um, it was on my EP called How I Feel. So yeah, that was um that was pretty crazy, and then the media coverage of it was also crazy. I was on the front cover of several British national newspapers um, for for a couple days running, and yeah, the whole thing was 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 pretty nuts. but um essentially what had happened is there had been an altercation that happened in Basingstoke, which is about an hour away from where I live, and someone had threatened someone with what looked like a gun. And then they saw this guy going towards the train station. All, all of this came out, like, way, way, way later after they did the whole um, independent, in, independent police commission report. So I found this out literally, like, a couple months after. But, yeah, this, this incident had taken place. There had been some miscommunication in the way that the police reporting was transferred from department to department because three separate police localities got involved in this thing. Yeah. The, the racial factor... And this is, uh, so firstly, I mean, I, I've, I've never been one of these everything is racist type people, mm. and I didn't want to jump to any guns, I didn't want to jump the gun and jump to any conclusions <laughs> <the gun>. until <laughs> I didn't want to see, I wanted to see what came out of the police report, right? Mm. I wanted to see how, how did, did this incident even happen? Because that wasn't known until a couple months down the line, so yeah. I didn't want to I, I easily could have gone i the media were all over me the media were all over the story I could have easily gone and just you know decried police racism and police brutality and said this happened to me you know just because I'm black and they targeted me and they profiled me or what very very easily could have gone down that road but I knew even at that time 10 years ago that that would not have been honest and I had a lot of people kind of pushing me and goading me to kind of go in that direction or other people making conclusions without actually knowing the facts and I was like let me wait until let me wait until the facts come out and see how this happened. Now, when the facts did come out, it turned out that it was primarily, really, it was one police officer who gave wrong information. Which essentially, he so basically, the, this incident had happened in another city, and the guy had a certain description. It was a young, it was a young black guy who was wearing um, a brown tracksuit and a cap. Now, on this day. I was wearing um, a black t-shirt and blue jeans. So I clearly didn't match this description. But there were three police forces involved in this. So there was Hampshire Police, British Transport Police, and Dorset Police. And what essentially happened is my description ended up becoming the description of the guy who had done the actual crime. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so across three, you know... Someone relayed the wrong information and it basically became, oh, this guy who's wearing a black T-shirt and blue jeans is the person who has done this, right? They – that was where – so the racial component would have been with the guy who sort of made that error, if you see what I mean, right? there. I, I don't live in an area where there are tons and tons of black people. So I'm sure if they'd seen me standing at the train station um, and, you know, I'd just been – I don't know, a white guy, say – they wouldn't have potentially thought, oh, okay, that could be the guy. So that was the only place where the racial component takes place. When it comes to the officers who actually arrested me, they're just, act, they're, they're just acting on the orders that they've been given at this point, right? As far as they know, as far as they've been told, this is two police departments away now. As far as they know, I am this guy now who was chasing someone around the city with a gun right? Right. I'm I'm no longer the suspect. I'm now, I'm now the guy. I'm not just, it's it's no longer just keep an eye on this guy. Um, it's gone from, Oh, okay. Keep an eye on this guy to this is. So that's, that's turned out what, that that's what actually happened. So the way I viewed it and based on the actual facts and seeing all the communications, seeing all the transcripts and everything like that, I maintain the position that this was not a, one could argue that there was an element of racial profiling, like I said, on that part of that single police officer, but it wasn't, uh, how would I say, it, it could, the same thing could have happened if, if I had ginger hair, right, or if I had any other, if, I had, if I had any other feature that was shared in common with the actual perpetrator, which is a feature that most people in that vicinity do not have. So in this case, it was, oh, OK, I'm, I fit the part of young black guy. That's the only part of the initial description I fit. But it was really it was really the communication error of him. Literally, he, he, there was one line I looked in the transcript and he literally gave the wrong information to the people. And that information is what made those firearm officers be like, OK, this this is the guy.
0: Have you been to South Africa?
1: No, not yet. but I will visit. <laughs> yeah no i'll definitely go to south africa at some point but um it's somewhere i'd like to go when i have a an opportunity there it's a bit like mm-hmm. australia in that regard it's very far i do want to go to australia but i want to go to australia when like australia wants me you know yeah, what i mean sure. when i've got like a gig or a speaking opportunity or something to do with my career is- com entertainment is the name of my company and that actually stands for courtesy of myself so courtesy of myself entertainment but why did
0: you do that why why did you not go with the, with a the label
1: so it was um A combination of a bunch of different factors um the more you know about the music industry the easier it will be to understand why an artist such as myself would not want to be signed with a record label both from a business standpoint and also from a creative standpoint and also from a necessity standpoint um i was kind of independent before being independent was a cool was a cool thing right now it's now it's cool to be independent but there was a time when nobody was really trying to be in independent artists certainly in the UK. So in my case it was um it's a matter of not wanting to I don't believe in needing other people to give you approval or permission. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's why I don't like these shows like X Factor and you uh, know Pop Idol and The Voice and all these things where it's it's almost like auditioning or in some cases almost begging for someone else's permission or approval or whatever, right? I I that's totally against my own mentality even just being someone who's quite entrepreneurial minded I've always just been a go-getter of like okay if I want to do something I'll do it it's the same I mean I wrote and released my first book last year and I've sold over a thousand copies without it even being yeah sold over a thousand copies in the first couple months without it even being on Amazon Mm -hmm. I started my own podcast last year like no one gave me permission for that no no one's given me permission for anything like I just go and I do it I'm like okay this is what I want to do this year and I just go and do it I, I've got other people like, oh, how can I find a book publisher? I'm like, why do you need a book publisher? Right? Why do you need a record label? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? It's like, just make it. Just do it. Um, I mean, some people maybe some people think we're still in 1970 when you can't do anything, unless you've sort of pleased the gatekeepers. But it's like, man, for the past 10 to 15 years, that just hasn't been the case. Whatever it is you want to do, video, audio, writing, music. You can the levels you can reach being independent are totally crazy And then from the business standpoint and the creative standpoint, I mean, I, I don't want to have anybody else controlling me yeah. And I don't want anybody there's no entity that I want taking 90 percent of my record sales Right if if I sell an album for ten pounds, why should I give nine pounds? To anybody all right that and that's how a typical label works typical label royalties are around ten percent ten percent to the artist so the artist sells you know, a thousand pounds worth of albums and they get paid a hundred pounds. If that's, if assuming they've actually recouped, if they haven't recouped, they get paid nothing. So if you actually look at how record deals and things are structured, then, um, look, if you're trying to be the next Beyonce or Justin Bieber or Rihanna, then you're going to need to go with a label. Who's got some big, big money and connections and marketing power behind them. But um, you can certainly have your success as an independent uh, independent artist, and there are thousands of people, if not millions of artists out there doing that now. And yeah, I did it before it was cool. It's uh, it's one of my top passions. Um, I started going to the gym when I was 15, so I've now been training for, man, I don't know, seven, 17, 17 or so years in total. I've actually been lifting since before I... I've, I've been lifting for longer than I've been making music. Sure. So... I used to be um I used to be a bit of a chubby kid was people think look at me now and they're like oh dude your genetics are so good and I'm like man I, I weighed more when I was 15 than I weigh now <laughs> right I used to be I used to be out of shape I couldn't do a single pull up I could only do six press ups I was not in good shape it took me over like 11 minutes to run a single mile um and so I got into training primarily because of rugby I played rugby when I went to boarding school and that became my primary sport all the way through school and university I, I was very good at rugby and so I initially started training to get better at that, so that I could be the one dishing out the damage rather than being on the receiving end of it. And then, um, yeah, I learned more through trial and error and effort. I learned more about uh, building muscle and burning fat and getting in shape and everything like that. And it's one of those things that, yeah, I've I've got a lot of expertise in, and I never really, I hadn't really done that much with it. At some point, I I did have a YouTube fitness channel, but I didn't really. Keep up with it and persist with it as hard as I needed to. Um, I have got a personal training qualification and helped helps people, you know, here and there. And then I figured, you know what, the internet is out there. Why don't I just create um, an ebook that can help people with reaching their goals? So I just buckled down and I wrote that book, which is called Strong Advice: Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. I put it out there initially as an ebook. And then people started wanting me to make physical copies. So I've done two runs of physical copies now. The physical copies are currently totally sold out. When I was in Nashville last year, I also recorded um, an audiobook version. So the audiobook version of the book is now also available. And yeah, like I said, it's now sold sold well over 1,100 copies. And that's totally independent. That's just through my website and through Gumroad. It's helped a lot of people. Someone messaged me the other day saying that it's helped them lose 60 pounds in the last five months, which is phenomenal. So, yeah, no, there's no shortcut. But work hard only works if you're working at the right thing. So if you have got the program, if you've got a completely ineffectual training program or a terrible nutrition plan, then no matter how hard you work on that horrible plan, you're not going to get very good results. So it's really teaching people how to... Firstly to, to find their why and to get their mindset and motivation in a state where they know what they're even training for, right? Whatever you're doing in life, you wanna know why you're doing it because that's what's gonna keep you motivated. Doesn't matter if it's training, uh, making a podcast, being a musician, writing a book, your career, your family, whatever it is, right? You you wanna know why. Okay, why am I even doing this thing? And as long once you have that, then that's what keeps people motivated. So It's that and then it's learning how to set up a diet which will help people reach their goal whether that's building muscle or maintaining or burning fat and then also and then about the training itself learning what the most effective exercises are how to structure your workouts how what training principles matter and what the actual mechanism is of getting stronger and building muscle as well as burning fat because most people don't really understand how that stuff works and it's not super complicated either. Um, so my book is not, doesn't need to be very long. Part of the power of it is it's very concise, it's something people can read in probably two hours tops to read it. And, but it's something that you can have as a handbook there and you can always, people can refer back to it. And yeah, it's is really everything I wish I knew when I first started out. That's basically how I wrote it. Man, I, I am no Nostradamus, but, um, I see, I think 2010 was real 2010s that decade was really the the rise of, I know what you referred to earlier as wokeness, right? Mm. Um, identity politics, inverted commas, progressivism, which is regressive in many ways, um, the rise of certain nonsensical ideas that don't make sense to the vast majority of the population, yes. all that kind of stuff. And I think that the pendulum has been swinging back for several years. I don't think people have... A lot of people haven't really noticed that it's swinging back, so they're still sort of pushing down this line, despite the fact that people keep losing elections. Um, Whether you're talking Brexit, whether you're talking Trump, whether you're talking about the recent UK elections and some of the European ones, there is a reactionary counter-movement to that whole set of ideas and ideologies, right? It turns out that a lot of people are not really on board with going back to this weird thing of looking at people and judging them based on their skin color or calling people names that they haven't earned or you know promoting socialism and communism as opposed to capitalism mm. or promoting identity politics or being just super offended at everything trying to curtail free speech all of the all of these ideas we are this this whole sort of weird package of ideas i do think that In the 2020s, I think if if they keep pushing it as hard as they've been pushing it, I think 2020s will be the year where, sorry, the decade where the average person really gets sick and tired of it. I think we're still at a stage where most people don't really know how insidious it is. So people who are kind of, you know, spend a lot of time online and who are more in tune with the way the world is going. I think, you know, if you run a podcast or, of course, with you, you're a cartoonist, right? I'm a musician. So we have a foresight into where culture and society are going because that's necessary for, for what we do, right? And we're both, we both do podcasts as well. So you have to be sort of staying on top of what is going on and you see certain trends and things like that. I think that when the – so for example, here's a great example. You were talking earlier about me identifying as a woman and beating women's records and stuff, okay? That was something I said five years ago was going to start happening. Okay. And five years ago, people said that I was being alarmist, that I was being silly, that I was talking nonsense and whatever. Because in 2016, or, you know, in in, tw- in 2015, the idea of biological men competing and beating women in their own sports sounded silly. Right? And 2015 is not that long ago. Um, mm. And then lo and behold, in 2019, I go viral by beating the British women's deadlift and bench press records. So the average person still i still think the average person isn't even aware that that is that's a thing do you know what i mean
0: yes
1: right i still think the average person may maybe they've heard of one or two cases but they haven't really considered what this really means right they haven't really considered the threat and the pandora's box that is being opened by it and i think that there are going to be more and more incidents both within and outside of sports for example using using this one particular issue as an example where people are really going to start seeing Oh okay this this is this doesn't make sense. This is a bad idea. And I think when that average sort of chunk of people maybe like that 80% of the population um you know you, you know you, have you seen uh, adoption curves? Familiar with adoption curves yeah. where you kind of get the okay it's like it shows how a product moves through the market. So you have the innovators and then you have the early adopters, then you have the early majority, then the late majority right. and then you have the laggards, right? So with a lot of these ideas, right, the, the people who are kind of on the forefront of the culture war, right, these are the, these are the early adopters and innovators. These are the people who are, who are at the forefront of seeing, hmm, there's a lot of weird ideas that are being pushed and promoted in Western society, right? But the early and late majority, that's like 80, 85 percent of the population. Yep. Those people there maybe some in the early majority are starting to see it and push back against it a little, but the masses are still kind of like just getting on with their lives. People are busy. People are raising their families. People are going to work trying to pay their debts and whatever. So most people aren't really paying attention to, I don't know, gender identity laws or or whatever the case is. You see what I mean? Or how free speech may be being curtailed in universities or the site. People aren't aware of that. So I think when it starts really hitting that majority, and it starts affecting people, all right? Or when you start getting people mm-hmm. who are losing jobs because they're a white man. Dude, mm-hmm. most, people, most people are relatively conservative. Yeah. And I don't mean – and I don't even really mean conservative in the what do you think economic policy should be sense. I just mean people don't really like drastic change, mm-hmm. right? So totally trying to redefine what it means to be a man or a woman. Right, things that have been agreed for thousands upon thousands of years, you suddenly want to just rip that apart and totally change it. Most people aren't on board with that.
0: Why do you Most think it's happening, though?
1: Oh wow! Do you? Hey, ooh, this is a. No,
0: do, you want know, do, yes. you, do you want to know? Do you want, I, to, I, know I want my, to know? Do you want to know
1: my? You want to know what I think connects everything?
0: I do want to know.
1: You want to know my, my grand conspiracy theory, Absolutely. which I haven't posted about this yet, but I now have evidence that it's not actually I've – had, I've had this thought for about six or seven years, okay, what I'm about to tell you, and I recently found evidence that it's not actually a conspiracy theory because I found real legitimate evidence that it – from the 1970s that it's not accidental.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm all okay. ears.
1: You're all ears. I believe <laughs> – this is going to sound crazy – I think that there is a push to reduce the population, reduce the native Western population.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Go on. Go and on. so
1: I believe. Look. So the this sound this might sound weird to people. What I mean is that the the common thread that seems to link a lot of these weird and divisive ideas together, and even some that are outside of this sphere. This even goes for climate change alarmism and. The push for uh, the push for abortion and certain aspects of feminism is the thing that ties them all together is that they curb population growth, specifically native population growth, because I'm not talking about uh, immigration. And that is actually the concurrent. That's actually the running thread that I've noticed between all of this stuff. Right. I think, is this something that encourages marriage and families and childbearing? No. or is it something that discourages it and makes it less likely to happen? And all of these things fall into the latter the latter category when you when you actually think about it and you connect the dots that that even goes for you know the redefinition of man and women, right? Because what happens when people jump on these you know does this is this going to make it more likely that men and women form healthy stable relationships or less likely of course it's less likely and you're actually rendering people infertile in the process in many cases um and this goes with a, with a lot of the pushes right with a lot of the climate change stuff now they're saying yeah you know there's people in, in my generation who are saying oh i'm not going to have kids or i'm only going to have one kid because of climate change right if you say you want to have a lot of kids people look at you like you're insane they've programmed society To make people, I mean, every country in Europe has a, has a negative, has a, uh, is below replacement level birth rates. Every single country in Europe. That is insane. Um, and so it's, it's working very well. (laughs) It's working very well, but yeah, all this whole agenda, everything is, it it does sound weird. It does sound kind of strange, but when you think of it through that frame, you do realize that actually this is one thing that they all have. In common, I see a lot of different agendas that are being pushed over the past decade or two, shall we say? You can hear me, all right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can hear you perfectly.
1: Yeah. Okay. I see a lot of uh, various agendas that are being pushed in in different fields, and I'm trying to find what is the what what is the thread here, right? What is what is what do all of these things lead to? And that is the first one, and the second one is. Increased governmental control, right? So to, right, dis- dissolve, you know, pr- promote, right? Why, why are we no longer promoting the traditional family unit? Why are we no longer promoting um, anything to do with natalism, right? Why, why are we not, you know, whether you're seeing the push for third legalizing third trimester abortion or making abortion, like, you know, totally... Mm-hmm. Almost seen as like a moral good, right? It's like you're trying to invert everything in society Why are you trying to break down religion? What happens when people become less religious? They're less likely to get married They're less likely to stay married. They're less likely to have relationships. They're less likely to have children everything that's being attacked is everything that actually leads to healthy male-female relationships and
0: and And also healthy males and females
1: Childbearing. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Why, why, why are they trying to pit men and women against each other? Mm. Again, what does, that, what does that lead to? It leads to more governmental control, and it leads to less and less men and women shacking up and having a traditional family.
0: Where do you think All that's of these stemming things. from, though?
1: oh boy uh this is the part of the th- oh <laughs> well uh I, I can I can reveal I have found some uh some some evidence of this like I said that dates back to nineteen seventy someone sent this to me and I actually freaked out I actually freaked out um because I've had this idea i've had this idea in my brain i I can't remember the um I, i'm not, i'm not gonna I, i'm gonna i wanna like do a grand reveal of this so sure, I, sure, I'm not gonna okay. put it out there just yet sure. but I don't know you you were asking kind of like who's behind it i don't I don't know who's behind it I'm not gonna try to try to say that but um there are too many things the agendas become too obvious for me to believe that everything is just like um by chance or yeah. that it's just uh, it's just oh, it's just happenstance like some stuff is so blatantly yeah and and sometimes they're not even subtle about it i mean no. sometimes if you if you re- if you go online and you actually look and you okay. read websites and you read policies and stuff i mean sometimes they're pretty clear on what some of the goals and aspirations are right they're not going to sell it to the public like okay we want you we want you guys to have less children right they're not going to they're not going to sell it like that they are not going to go china style and implement a one-child policy but if they do want to curb population growth they will do you know they will plant certain seeds and some of these seeds were planted decades ago Mm. that will lead to that and again will lead to as you said i guess you know a more one world government and also just more governmental power In general because what happens when you remove the male as the head of the family what happens when you split families what happens when you have children growing up without a mother or you know more cases without a father what happens when you get weak families you get more people who are who are needy all right and people who are needy are more likely to look towards the government for everything why people why are people looking forward towards the you know when when did we suddenly become so uh, government reliant and expecting the government to do everything I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the.
0: It's victimhood mentality.
1: Yeah. But, but what's interesting is so I'm 33. But if you look at the generation, both my own generation, but also the generation below me, is they're a lot more authoritarian than the older generations, right? They're a lot mm. less libertarian. They're, they're a lot much more authoritarian in many ways, down to the. I mean, who's pushing against free speech? It's young people, right?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's and young especially people. especially those on you know, the who, left. Yeah, exactly. It's young people. Yeah. And young people tend to be on on the left. Right. Um, It's that it's them promoting that. It's them pushing a lot of this stuff of having it's it's a it's a strange thing to kind of to kind of see because you have this idea of younger people being more anti authoritarian. But in this case, it's actually the other thing. You know, they want to suck on the teeth of the government. They're looking for the government for everything. Right. Mm. Government, government, government. And they're not they're not looking to themselves. They're not looking to their their parents, their families, their friends, their communities not their churches because they've ripped that apart as well and poo-pooed that and they think that that's stupid, right? It's just daddy government. Everything is just comes back to the government. Um, and I don't think that that is, I don't think that's all accidental because I think, you know, social programming is a, is a very real thing, right? Social, it takes, it takes a long time, but once you've convinced people of certain ideas or certain ideals, then you've got millions and millions of foot soldiers who will just parrot the same talking points with no question and who will, take that as their mantle and we'll go out and we'll push those ideas without any further seeds needing to be planted right after a while there's there's seeds that were planted in the 60s and the 70s and they're now bearing fruit right and that's gonna just just keep on happening i think a lot of what we're seeing now is just the result of things that happened a couple of decades ago and it's now sort of coming to a head and you're sort of seeing that clash between different generations and different sides of the political spectrum and everything like that but i think a lot of it is um it's not it's certainly not all accidental
0: i think what you're saying does have uh, elements of truth in it um and uh, it's interesting that it's not localized to where you are it's, it's certainly global uh
1: it's uh, you know it's not even global it's western
0: yeah 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 western you're quite right uh but uh, i mean it's it's fascinating to see how there's this weird kind of uh, attempt to homogenize thought for the sake of diversity. For example, so <laughs> the more that everybody becomes the same, the more diverse everybody is. It's it's the weirdest contrast.
1: Oh gosh. Well, well, these people are not known for coherence, right? The whole the whole thing is full of oxymorons. Right. Mm. Well, any of these ideas, you take any of these ideas individually, whether you're talking. Um, you know, some of the like third or fourth wave feminism, or you're talking mm. about, um, some of these ideas around gender theory or what wh- whatever, any of these ideas, they're full of contradictions. If there's a gender pay gap, then why don't women just identify as men and get paid more? If there's a gender pay gap, why don't, why, why, why would employers even employ men, right? If you can pay women 20% less for the same job, just to hire women. Although all lots of the stuff doesn't, it doesn't make sense. If there's no such thing as a male brain or a female brain, how can someone be born with the wrong brain? In their body? Like, the whole thing doesn't make sense. It's all a bunch. It's, yeah, they haven't thought it through. But you're not meant to ask these questions because then you're a bigot and a transphobe and a misogynist and just a generally evil person, as I'm sure you've been called.
0: For sure. Um, I happen to be one step on the ladder lower than you because I'm white. Uh, you, mm. you, for example, can't be racist, I'm, I'm told.
1: Well, I've been told that I'm not black because black is political, and I don't have certain ah, it's a social, it's a so social construct. Some, someone on Twitter a couple of weeks ago told me that I'm not black, that I'm that I'm African, but I'm not black because I don't have the same politics as him.
0: Ah, well, I've got the reverse. I've been told that I'm European and not African. Oh, okay. Despite despite having multiple generations growing up in this country, and I've only been to Europe once. Oh, okay. <laughs> have you been lots.
1: called a, Have you been called a colonizer yet?
0: Uh, yes, of course I have. That's, that, that, <laughs> no, dude, that's like that's old school. Like.
1: <laughs> uh, it's old school. Okay.
0: Um, there's a, there's a comment. Um, somebody's uh, his name's Dachbrieker. Um, okay. Can you say that, Dachbrieker? Dachbrieker. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, he's asking, does Zubi know anything about Frederick S. Ja- uh, how I say that? Jeff J- J- Jaffe from the Center of Planned Parenthood. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that surname. Uh Frederick S. Jaff, I'm guessing, uh from this from the Hi. Center of Planned Parenthood. Do you know anything about does that name sound familiar to you?
1: No, that name doesn't ring any bells for me personally.
0: Okay. Um and then there's a comment just saying I saw a video yesterday about a woman with with the XY chromosome. Okay, but I mean look, there is a bell curve. I mean sure. Gender, I think is binary. Well, not I think it is binary, but you do get exceptions. They're on the extremes yeah, sure. of the bell curve
1: Oh, yeah, of course, but dude, I mean there's people who are born with 11 fingers or yeah. There's people who are born with uh, you know, but if you're looking in a biology textbook It's gonna tell you people have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Of course, there are people who there are there are always exceptions I'm aware there's things like uh, There are certainly intersex people right no mm. one no one questions that that is a thing You know, it's a small very small percentage under 1% of people are legitimately born, you know, intersex. You know, there's some elements of both male and female. I'm aware there's things like, you know, what's it called? Klein, Kleinfelter syndrome, where they can get um some abnormality in the chromosomes and things like that. And yeah, so uh, no, I, I don't think anybody, anybody reasonably educated isn't aware that there are these exceptions, but that doesn't mean that generally speaking, gender is a binary, which is based on sex primarily right it's it's largely informed by biological sex and chromosomes and hormones and everything like that and you know it, it's it's you know and, and their exceptions exist in absolutely everything this is this is the thing like we, we know this when people speak you know oftentimes they speak with some degree of generalizations and it's kind of a given that people know okay there might be you know 0.01% of cases where this doesn't where this doesn't totally fit I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.